is presented to you by Pastor Otis Barnett and Calvary Church in Inverness, Florida. For more information, please visit InvernessCalvary.com. Well, faith, hope, and love are the kingdom principles that are in operation now, and they will continue to be in operation after Christ returns. Uh, One of the things that we are to do in the church is to encourage each other with these words, Jesus is coming back. And so, brothers and sisters, you can be encouraged. You're one day closer. Your redemption draws nigh. Man, we are about to wrap this thing up and go home and be with the Lord. But until then, we're supposed to operate in faith, hope, and love. All biblical principles. And uh, today, we're going to talk about the power of love. Now, uh uh, if if there's a, a a chapter of love, it's pro- it's probably described as First Corinthians chapter thirteen. That would be the chapter of love. But if there is an epistle of love, it would be First John. And First John, we find out a lot of uh, a, a very plain talk about love. How many of you like it when somebody is straightforward with you? No mixing words. Just tell it like it is, right? If, if I'm falling a little short, tell me I'm falling a little short. Well, uh, uh, read 1 John. You, it'll, be, it'll be direct. You'll get about three, four verses in. You're like, oh, I'm falling short. <laughs> and so we learn from 1 John that we can grow in love. And all of the effects and the power of love. And we're going to look at uh, uh, 1 John chapter 4 today. And we're going to look at a few verses and we're going to focus in primarily on two of them. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to 1 John chapter 4. If you have the Bible app, by the way, you can launch that Bible app and then go to find a a live event. And we have uh, uh, established there a live event from Calvary Church. You can actually follow along. All of the notes will be there. Uh, You can jot in your own notes. So if you have uh, the YouVersion Bible app, launch that, find us there, live event, all of these notes, all of the scriptures will already be there for you, and then you can, you can kind of relax and take your own notes, it's, unless you just love to, to jot them down as we go. That's, that's great, too. We provide a note card right in front of you. First uh, John chapter 4, we're going to begin in verse 15. Says this, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. Let me just pause right there and just say, uh, are you still believing in the love that God has for you? Do you did you wake up this morning convinced? Oh man, I'm God's favorite son. I'm God's favorite daughter. We know the scripture says God shows no favoritism, but I tell you, he, he just doesn't know how to, to make you feel like you're not his favorite. Every morning you can wake up and be convinced and still believe the love that God has for you. The scripture continues and says, God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. 
Verse 17 and 18 is what we're really going to lock in on today. It says, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit for help. Lord, I ask right now that you would send the Holy Spirit to us and grant to us, Lord, ears to hear. We need ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us. God, we are asking God not for just another page of notes. We want heaven to impress your principles on our hearts this morning. Come and change us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're looking at this word love, and this word love, many of you have heard it before in the Greek, it's agape. Now, here's some, a little bit of history about this word agape. It is almost exclusively a biblical word in antiquity. You just don't find it anywhere else other than in the Bible. That's what that means. So when you read this word, agape, it is unique. It belongs to God. It's not a word that you should just gloss over. You should actually uh, look at it, meditate on it, and allow it to penetrate you, penetrate into your heart that there is a love from God that is unique in Christianity. It is unique, and it's beautiful. And, And in a very practical sense, it means this. It means pure affection. Benevolence. It means esteem with no strings attached. Esteem, listen to that, with no strings attached. So no more of this, you know, I got your back, you got mine. It is just honor because that's what love would do. It's the idea that I love And I am genuinely affectionate. And I'm not expecting anything in return. This is the biblical word agape. In other words, this this word really only exists in the kingdom of God. Well, how does the king define love? I mentioned to you that if the first uh, John is the epistle of love, then we need to look at First uh, Corinthians thirteen as the chapter of love. And I just want I want to go over this with you, and I want to I want to restate this. That, by the way, this uh, this chapter is not exclusive only to marriages. Sometimes, you know, we kind of tune out when we hear the, the familiar verses, but there is a revelation and I believe an impartation to Calvary today in this, this revelation of the power of God's love. And this is what it says, starting in verse 4, chapter 13, it says, Love is patient. Love is kind. By the way, it doesn't say love is nice. It says love is kind. The word kind in the Greek actually means, it gives the word picture of the right tool for the right job. 
It means useful. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Love never fails. Oh, I, I could just tell you some stories here this morning that you're, you might look at me cross-eyed if I told you the stories that I've walked into, the moments of, of demonic deliverance that God has walked me into where somebody is being literally tormented by a demon. And the only thing that worked was love. I'm telling you, love is the nuclear option for the believer. There is no, there, the, 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 the kingdom of darkness has no way to retaliate against love. It's over. When we begin to walk in the power of love, it's over. Darkness, it, it, just, it just falls to the kingdom of light. Love is powerful. And I want you to understand that in 1 Corinthians 13, you could read it as, okay, these are the things that I need to do, but I would also say that you could also read this as the things that God has exhibited towards you. Because the Scripture says that God is love, and so God has been patient. How many of you say, well, God has been patient with me? And God has been so kind to me and faithful and, 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 and humble. You know, it really wasn't until the New Testament that the humility of God was revealed when he didn't come as a king with pomp and circumstance. He came as a baby laid in the trough of an animal, humble, taking on flesh, Becoming subject to even death. I'm telling you, love is humble. And none of us in this room would say that humility made him weak. Because he's still the all-powerful God. He's still all-powerful, which says something. Either we're thinking wrong about love, or, 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 or you know, or, or you know, we've we've got to reevaluate the way that we've been living and the way that we've been trying to say. Well, if I walk in love, I won't be powerful. I want to tell you, love is the most powerful tool that God has given to you as a believer. And we need to learn how to recapture love and walk in love. Listen, Mother Teresa says this, Every work of love done with a full heart brings people closer to God. Every work of love done with a full heart brings people closer to God. You say, yeah, but they, they just openly, they, they just kind of, you know, made fun of me. Or they, they, they cast me off. It doesn't matter. Brings them closer to God. It brings them closer to God. Now, I want to talk specifically today about us receiving the love of God. Now, there, there, there could be uh, lots of instruction about how we should love each other. 
But I actually believe that would be a little bit out of order. Because how can you give something away that you do not possess? This is why I know that this message this morning, if you're just here trying to mentally ascend to this, this, this idea of love, you're, you're, you're going to miss the whole point. I'm praying God gives you, I'll just go, a, a gully washer in his love. I mean, you just get baptized again in his love. That you have this transforming moment in his love. It is powerful. It will transform you. And if you begin to receive it, you can start giving it away and it will draw people closer to God. And as we look at 1 John 4, we find that the apostle John was affirming the power of love. And there are two truths in verses 17 and 18 that I want us to dive into. The first truth is this, the power of love unites us. The power of love unites us. Now, don't, don't jump ahead, but I want you to really think this through. Verse 17 says, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because, why? Because of the overflow of love, because as he is, so are we in this world. What did that just say? What did the Bible just say? He says, love, the power of love has united us so intimately with Christ that as he is in this world, so are we. Now, I, I just, I, you know, sometimes I stumble into these things, and, and this is where we have to readjust our conversation. You know, where, where we start saying things, well, you know, Jesus was the only perfect one. Well, that is absolutely true. That is absolutely true. But 1 John tells us that you can, be so, you can so grow in the love that God has for you that the only way that people can describe you is a little Christ. I love this verse. It's, it's, it's staggering to me that it says, because as he is... In this world, so are we. It says, why can a believer stand before God in a day of judgment with all confidence? That's what this says. Why can we stand before God, the all-consuming fire? Everybody thinks God has this just still small voice. Not in heaven. His voice is as the sound of many waters. His face shining like the sun in its strength. Okay? This is... God is powerful, and love's power in a believer's life has us standing there like, ah, yeah, in that moment, I'm full. Why? Because as he is in this world, so are we. Do you, do you think that Jesus ever pauses when he comes before the Father? 
He doesn't pause. Why? Because he's perfectly accepted, perfectly received, and he is walking as the Father would have him to walk. Well, how can we do that as a church? We receive the love of God. The power of love in you will cause you to look like Christ in this world. This is a powerful statement. Powerful statement. Notice that it says... Because as he is, so are we. It doesn't say as he was. You know, as he was when he walked in his earthly ministry. No. It says as he is. To find Jesus in his current state, you got to go to the book of Revelation. This same author, the same writer, the one who leaned on Jesus' chest. We find his words penned in the book of Revelation, and he heard this voice speaking behind him. And then when he turned around and saw Jesus glorified, he fell at his feet like a dead man. Read about him. And then the scripture says this about you. As he is. In his resurrected, glorified, impactful, risen, overcoming Savior. As he is, so are you in this world. As he is. That is why 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says, We are bold in our speech saying, Listen, the old covenant had glory, but this one has a greater glory. Why? Because as he is in this world, so are we. Do not tell me that there are things that can hold you and keep you from God's purposes in this world. The only thing that is missing between you and your purpose is another baptism in his love you need a fresh baptism in his love it is because of the love of God that we'll stand boldly on the day of judgment say yes we believed the love that you sent you know who that is that's Christ we believed the love that you sent and as a result we live As he is. You see, believers whose lives have been transformed by God's love for us are invited to walk in the supernatural power of God just like Jesus. John 14, 12. The words of Jesus himself. This is is, is where this will all start to come together for you. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. These are some of the, 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 the hardest words to imagine in the life of a believer that Jesus would say that those who follow after him will do greater works. We just think that means more. No, greater just means greater. By the way, we have no record that Jesus ever had a shadow ministry that healed people. But Peter did. And they laid people along the street when Peter was walking by hoping that his shadow would fall on them because they were being healed. What is that? What is that? 
I'll tell you what that is. We're not there yet. And I'm getting close to some of you intercessors. I'll be standing in your shadow, man. I'm like, ooh, come on, Lord. I want a shadow ministry. Actually, really what I want is I just want to be as Jesus is in this world. I don't want to be just as he was. I want to be as he is. And you know what you you know what happens when you get baptized in his love? It becomes possible. Why? Because your sins are washed away because you've repented. You've turned to God. You believed the love that he sent in his son. And that, that finished work on the cross was shouting, you're forgiven and I love you. We need a fresh baptism in God's love. You need love to just conquer your addictions. You need love to just conquer your circumstance. You need a fresh encounter with love. You don't need to walk around and just say, "Uh, uh, okay, I know God loves me. And it has absolutely zero effect on the heart of the mind. That's not the love of God that this is talking about. This is transformative love. The love of God. Listen to this, the love of God working in us is the manifestation of Jesus. It is the manifestation of Jesus. You're like, well, I just, you know, I I don't know, I just don't like people. Listen, you're manifesting you. That's okay. God made you human. We're all human. There are moments when people are not very likable. God bless them. He loves them. We're just trying to like them. But when the love of God washes over us, the love that he has for people becomes becomes the love that you can now have for people. You begin to see them in a different light. I remember counseling young people for years. They're like, why does my mom treat me this way? Why does my dad treat me this way? Uh, Yet I see all these promises about God being a good father, but... This has been difficult for me to to really embrace this idea that he's a a father that loves me because I I, I have a hard time with this. My dad doesn't embrace me. And I, I I just look at him and I say, you know, let's let the love of God show us who your dad is. And your dad isn't just like some 40-year-old guy, but he's a wounded 8-year-old too who had his own set of things that he went through that he's still carrying today. And every time the love of God changed the perspective of a young person, it just made it possible to go home and believe that God was going to change him. And I want to say to you, we have to have a deep encounter with the love of God. And then it will manifest Jesus all around us. Listen, Galatians 5, 6 says this, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. We've been talking about faith. We've been talking about hope. We're going back to this verse because you need to know that in order for your faith to manifest Jesus wherever you go, it must be fueled by love. It must be fueled by love. 
We can't have great conversations about moving mountains and yet ignore love. We cannot do it, church. It's a mistake. And in the last days, we, we're, we're given the warnings that the love of many will wax or grow cold. That's the hour. However, that's not a promise from God. So we don't read that verse and go, well, I guess that's going to happen to me. No, no, no. No, no, no. We're going to walk in the love of God all the way till when Jesus comes. We're going to receive more love, more love from God, a greater revelation of the cross, a greater revelation of his love for me as a son, his love for me as, as a daughter, his love for me. Listen, I'm still working on this one. I'm still trying to figure out his love for me as a bride. I heard this missionary say this. This was wild. He said, man, when you feel like you're, you've tried everything in prayer, you've tried all the authority stuff, he said, in the spirit, you need to put on your mini skirt. I was like, what? He said, yeah, you need to learn how to be a bride where the groom comes out in power to rescue the one that he loves. I'm like, ooh. I need to get a mini skirt. <laughs> Man, I need a revelation of the love that God has for me as his bride. That's hard for a man. All the women are like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> That's hard for us. It, listen, our faith will manifest Jesus when it is fueled by love. We've got to live in this awareness. It will unite you to the character, and I would say it this way, to the position that Christ keeps and holds now. As a dearly cherished son, the power of love unites us to live as he is in this world. Now, the second thing that you need to know about the power of love is that it not only unites us, just flip a couple of letters, it unties us. The power of love unties us. Verse 18 says this. It says, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. Because he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Listen, the love of God will untie you from fear so you can walk in your calling. Has God ever whispered something to you that was just way bigger than you and you thought, oh, I don't know if I could do that. Lord, why'd you ask me that? You know I got this little thing I'm struggling with. Why, why'd you ask me for that? Because the love of God is trying to untie you from everything that has you bound. And I believe the greatest thing that is holding back the church in this hour is fear. It is fear of not knowing what your life would look like unfettered in Christ. Some of you just, you just, 
you, you, you think, man, if I live bold, with, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my job. What? Where'd you come up with that? Did the devil hand you that suggestion? And even if you did, God would probably give you another one. And probably better. Many of us live in fear. I love what this says. It says, perfect love casts out fear. Now, I'm not recommending to anyone that you get involved in a deliverance ministry, but I have watched love do this. I've been just teaching a discipleship lesson to students. And all of a sudden, gang members with backgrounds in witchcraft start spinning in their chairs. Eyes roll back in their head. We're just having a normal day in Citrus Hills. And I have a rule. I don't let the devil interrupt. That's my rule. And so people are going, uh, Pastor Rob happened to be there. Uh, he was serving with us. He was like, pass me a note. He's like, dude, that guy's got a sharp pencil and he's foaming at the mouth. It looks like he wants to kill people. I'm like, he's going to have to wait. <laughs> I'm not done. And, and sure enough, we had middle schoolers there, uh, uh, high schoolers there. And then this, this spirit that had been binding uh, this young man, just as a long history, and I won't go in, into it all, uh, as soon as I called him by name and said, we love you and you're safe here, that enemy presence lost all its grip on him. And when we said, come off of him in Jesus' name, it wasn't even a fight. Now, soon after that, when he was back in his right mind, I said, um, have you ever been water baptized? He goes, no. I said, you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life now? He said, yes. I said, fill the tub. <laughs> fill the tub. Because <laughs> I, I think the devil knows the power of baptism more than even we do. But I, I, I say that to tell you this. I've watched it over and over again. Love, love will bind the enemy. And one of the greatest tools of the enemy is fear. Not only in the unbeliever's life, it's in the believer's life. Now, I'm not talking about, uh, about the, the kind of fear that keeps you, you know, from, you know, bungee jumping, you know, in Africa, okay? I, I would be in the camp that would stay on the bridge that's perfectly good and normal. You know, I, I'm, I'm in that category of, of people, okay? I'm like, this bridge is working. I don't need to jump off of it. <laughs> so I, I'm good. All those slingshot videos on YouTube, that's, you know, praise God, those people are making money, but they're just not getting any of mine, okay? I'm not talking about just a good, you know, healthy dose of, of just the right kind of fear. I'm talking about the fear that keeps you from fullness. The fear that keeps you from fullness the fear that keeps you addicted, the fear that keeps you in brokenness, the fear, husbands, that you're, you're afraid to really open up to your wife because what is she going to say? 
the fear of, 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 of what if I gather my family together and, uh, you know, try a Bible study and no one wants to listen. The fear of advancing the kingdom at your job and starting a prayer meeting, which may mean you need to get to work early, which would probably be a blessing to your boss. There's all these fears that are tying us, but the love of God, it unties us. And it's this word, when love shows up, it casts. It, it, the word in Greek is balo. It means to forcefully throw. The presence of fear, really, when it shows up in our life as a believer, it's an invitation to go deeper into God's love. It says here that they're not yet perfected in love. So when fear comes, which is easy to recognize, you say, man, God must want to draw me deeper in his love because I want to be perfected in it. Because listen, if we're a little bit afraid now, when we stand before the throne then, there's no reason to be afraid. Not then and not now. Love is casting down fear. I want you to notice the boldness in the lives of believers as the power of love is untying them. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, uh, the, the, the apostles have just been let go by the religious leaders. They've, they, they, they've just been jailed and they've been threatened. They said, they, they say, do not speak this name again. They go back to their own company and they begin to pray. And this is what it says in Acts. Acts 4.31, it says, and when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. By the way, they were pretty bold from Acts 2 to Acts 4. But when they were threatened, they're like, God, make us more bold. Make us more bold. Have, Lord, I want to have such an encounter, Lord, with your love for me. It makes me bold for you. Many of you have heard my story that at age 21, I was sitting in a Bob Evans when the love of God, the literal, tangible love of God fell on me in a restaurant. Fell on me in a restaurant. I began to tremble. I couldn't even eat my dinner. Can you imagine a 21-year-old young man not being able to eat their dinner? When the, when the power of love hit me. I began to tremble. I began to shake. I began to know that God loved me and that he pursued me in a powerful way into this restaurant. As I walked out, I, I literally, I could hardly walk. I'm shaking and walking under this powerful love. And all of a sudden, everything that had held me bound, the idea of, will I ever have enough, God? Will, you know, will I have, you know, I, I need a, a better car or a better job and, and what am I going to do for the future. All of that melted in that moment. When I walked out of that restaurant, I remember in between my car and the front door, I prayed this prayer. I said, God, if you want my car, you can have my car. God, if you want my friends, you can have my friends. And then I said this one, God, if you want my job, you can have my job. I want to let you know, God made me give me, give them all. God made me give the car away, the job, and all the friends until 18 months later when the first one of my friends 
in that group that I was running with got born again. Nine months previous to that, the Lord allowed me to lead a, a young man who I was working with to the Lord. My first assignment in Christ was two names. The power of love came on my life. And, and I'm telling you, God is still at work in those two men's lives today because the power of love came on me in that moment. And if you will uh, just invite the powerful love of God back in, say, God, I want to believe the love that you sent for me. God, I want to walk in it. I want to receive it. I, Lord, want to Lord I want to be untied from fear I don't want to care what other people think I don't want to value the opinion of man I Lord want to value the opinion of heaven it's the power of love notice the boldness in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1, it says the wicked flee when no one pursues. It says the wicked are supposed to be fearful, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. The righteous are as bold as a lion. If you don't find yourself really walking in the fullness of that verse, it's not, it's not condemnation today. It's an invitation of heaven to say, son, daughter, I want to pour my love out on you. I want to take you deeper into my love. When you experience his love, it, it just unties you. It's the most adventurous life you can live. I was trying, uh, we went up for a prayer, or a retreat just a couple of days ago. All the guys, we, we went out to dinner one night, kind of the final night, and just having a great time as a, as a staff planning uh, all the things that we believe God wants us to do in the next year and a half or so. And, um, uh, I, I, you know, I was just saw, I was like, oh, wow, there's an, this interesting soccer match on. And so I walked over there, and there was a young man standing there. And uh, I just kind of walked up, and I wasn't thinking about anything, but just kind of seeing what was on the television. And the young man says, so you like soccer? I'm like, oh, yeah, man, I played for years. And uh, uh, I said, I've actually had the opportunity um, to, to play soccer around the world through uh, sharing the gospel. And he's like, uh, Really? I say, well, do you play soccer? He goes, oh, yeah. I play for a small school in Missouri. And he, he goes to this school called, called Evangel, which is an assembly of God school in Missouri that our former pastor's wife graduated from, by the way. And, uh, and I'm like, whoa. And then he looks at me just like that and says, how did you know God was calling you to be a pastor? I'm like, we were just talking about soccer. <laughs> As I begin to tell of how the love of God fell on me in a restaurant, I realized I was standing in a restaurant talking to a young man, just like what happened to me. His parents saw him talking to a stranger, and he was, he's, he's a, a sophomore in college. His parents, his mom and dad, see him talking. I just turned around and looked. They were like, uh, yeah, okay, we're leaving. They left the restaurant. I was like, man. They were like, I don't know. Something's happening over there, you know. 
Something's happening in the restaurant. Here, as we be, before, before I left, I mean, I'm laying hands on this young man, praying over somebody who has an obvious call on his life. He said, yeah, I went to a sports camp, thing, and I prayed. I said, God, I want you to do something in these kids. This is what he said. But God wrecked me. God wrecked me. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're ruined, dude. <laughs> You're ruining it. So I'm laying hands and I'm praying. I'm like, can I just tell you um, that living untied from fear is the most adventurous life that God could ever give you. It is not boring to live all out for, for God. You will see the kingdom explode around you. But it starts with, I believe, even a daily encounter with the love of God for you. So the love of God can flow through you. I want to finish today by asking you this question. What would you be walking in today if it were not for fear? Because the love of God is available to drive out all those fears. To call you into your place in Christ. When the church begins to operate in love, let me say it this way, borders can't contain us. Wars can't stop us. Fear can't intimidate us. And death cannot hold us. Love has set us free. And I believe love will set you free today. I hope you've enjoyed this message from Calvary Church. For more information on this message or to listen to other teachings, visit us at InvernessCalvary.com. Connect with us for all the latest news on services, events, and more through our website or by following us on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks for listening and God bless.